Welcome back to our studies in the book of Romans. We are in chapter 14, ready to study valuable, interesting instruction about how we think of each other, how we treat each other, how we treat each other, and how we work through cultural differences and differences of opinion where no sin is involved. Romans chapter 14. Some of this may remind us that local churches were composed of people with very different backgrounds and cultures and preferences, different personalities, different opinions, and how all of that can work while maintaining unity and respect for each other. Would you listen, please, to Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 13. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Here's the first word you will not be surprised to hear from me as we begin the study in Romans 14. Context. Historical setting. The church in Rome and in other places in the first century populated by people with very different backgrounds. Now, we immediately think of Jews and Gentiles, but within those two groups, there were many subgroups, some generational, some geographic, 
very different people who came together when they obeyed the gospel. You have people of various cultures, different backgrounds, different menus, and now they're together in local churches. Let me ask you something. Do you think when people obey the gospel and are joined with others in local churches, all the components and habits of their background suddenly disappear? Let's understand and assume sin is given up when one obeys the gospel. We give up sin at the point of repentance and baptism. But what about our cultural differences and customs and menus and things like that? Not sins, but practices different from others who are now next to you in the local church. Did these Christians all become one culturally? Did they become one in all their personal preferences and menus and customs? Did all of that work out smoothly and without issue? We can assume they had work to do. They had to work through that in their attitude, in their regard and treatment of each other as we do today. They brought with them these elements of their background that they did not have to give up at repentance. But now they must learn to relate to each other and get along with each other, even though in many ways they remain different people. And I stress, we're not talking about sinful things, but neutral cultural matters that these people brought with them into their new relationship. That's the context of Romans chapter 14. Vegetarians who do not become meat-eaters when they are baptized. Meat-eaters who do not become vegetarians when they are baptized. Paul is addressing how all that, <coughs> how all that needs to work so that personal opinion and cultural background doesn't keep everybody torn apart. So that people are not always arguing and trying to change each other about all these things that are not sinful, concerning things of no spiritual consequence, whether you eat veg vegetables all the time or meat and vegetables. I want to highlight from this text four teachings given here or application by Christians then and Christians today. I'll be right back after I clear my throat and take a sip of water. We'll continue. Number one, on some matters, we simply need to leave each other alone. My responsibility here is to speak as clearly as I'm able to speak, and your responsibility is to listen as attentively as you are able. If someone is lost, I'm not going to leave him alone. Not going to regard that as a matter of indifference or no consequence. I'm going to do my best to speak the truth to the person who is lost in sin. I'm going to do that with meekness and fear. 
If I have reason to believe someone is moving away from God, facing eternal punishment, I'm going to speak to that person and seek in wise ways, in what I say and do, to lead that person to the truth and back to the Lord. But if there is no sin, no alienation from God, just something different, I need to leave it alone. I need to consider it none of my business. It is necessary because of God's Word here and because we cannot get along with people any other way. You can't turn everybody into you. It is necessary in all this to see the difference between faith and opinion, between law and liberty, between obligation and preference. It is not my task to make everybody like me. I'm from Arkansas, and there are certain things about my upbringing and location and culture peculiar to me that I cannot impose on people in South Texas. I cannot force Hispanics to be like people from Arkansas or Canadians or Europeans. It is none of my business. And to impose my culture and my background on others is damaging, it is unrighteous, and it will not work. It serves no spiritual purpose at all. For me to take my personal preferences and opinions and make those the standard that I push off onto everybody else. It doesn't bring anyone closer to God for me to do such a thing. To bring their total lifestyle closer to mine, it doesn't, doesn't have any spiritual benefit. It's counterproductive as a matter of fact. If someone were to agree to adopt every opinion I have, would it be of any value to me or to that person in our relationship with God? Absolutely not. If I were able to turn everybody in the church into a clone of me, well, oh, let's don't even imagine that. In some matters, we simply need to leave each other alone. Listen to these opening verses in Romans chapter 14 again, in the light of the point I've just made. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So let's apply that in our lives, in our attitudes, and realize that it matters what God has said here. We simply need to respect those who differ from us and leave them alone, even if we think we know better, if there is no sin. Patience, tolerance needs to be active in matters of liberty. That's the teaching of this passage. Number two, 
if God has received someone, we certainly should receive them. Did you hear that last phrase in verse 3? For God has received him. Welcome him. God receives the vegetarian. God receives the meat eaters. If God receives them based on the activity of their faith in Christ, we certainly should receive them. I, I don't even need to know what your menu is. It is none of my concern to find out all the details of what you eat, when you eat it, or any of the other strictly personal choices that you make that are not sinful. Choices that may be very different from mine, but if they're not sinful, I need to shut up and leave you alone. God is not waiting for me to decide if you meet my approval. God says He accepts people who obey Jesus Christ and abide in His teaching. Mark this down. Even if I get people to conform to me, that doesn't mean God accepts them because I don't get to write the law. I'm not the standard. Preachers used to say, in matters of faith, unity. In matters of opinion, tolerance. <coughs> if God has received someone as his child, I don't need to press them into my mold. I need to accept or receive those received by God. Number three, in these kinds of things, we need to have a sober and humble sense of who we are. Humility can really help us in learning and applying Romans chapter 14. Humility. Look at the first phrase in verse 4. Who are you? Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? That single verse is rich and good instruction for every one of us. The way it begins, it is immediately a statement against arrogance. Who are you? In our vocabulary, we have the phrase, who do you think you are? And we use that when someone asserts their right to control someone they have no right to control. It is designed to bring us to our place and perhaps to our knees. Who are you? Now let's explore that. Who are we? We are followers of Christ. We are servants. We are to be encouragers of right. <coughs> encouragers of right and discouragers of wrong. We ought to seek and save the lost. We are to be givers and teachers and good neighbors and all of that. But we are not masters of our brethren. And we do not own our brethren. And we must never think or act like we are the masters. We are in control. Listen to the whole verse. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. If I'm concerned that someone will not stand before God because they do not follow me, that's arrogance. Who am I to have such a thought? Indeed, we must stay focused on who we are and who our master is. Number four, be careful. Don't cause someone to stumble. It is a serious thing. I'm turning over to Luke chapter 17. 
And when I clear my throat again, I'll be back with you in Luke 17. Jesus raises our level of consciousness and wants us to know how serious something is in Luke 17. And he said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. When we do or say anything that hinders people in their response to God, that pushes them away, that discourages them from faithfulness, Jesus says, woe to you. Now here in Romans 14, let's read again verse 13. Therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I need to resolve that. You need to resolve that. Make up your mind. There must be this steadfast personal determination not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. It must be our purpose of heart to help each other, to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to be patient with each other, to give people room to learn and grow. This is about care and discipline based on love for God and love for His people. When I try to impose my opinions, walk on my brother's liberty, control people, and look down on people because I'm so smart and I'm so mature, well, maybe I'm not that mature in my attitude, and God sees all that, and it does not play well with Him at all. This says, resolve not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. All of us would learn a valuable lesson and be a better help in to, to growing disciples if we would just learn when to shut up. Can I be that bold? There is a whole level of arrogance that we can easily walk into if we're not careful. When we think we must tell everybody all our opinions, and check them out against all of our great knowledge. Remember what I said in the beginning, sin requires that we speak up and do all we can to lead the sinner out of sin. But in individual matters of choice and conscience where God's word is not violated, even though it may seem odd to us that people are not like us, crazy people, maybe it would work to our spiritual advantage and their spiritual advantage for us to just Shut up. A wise man told me one time, in matters of personal opinion, only give your opinion when there is some advantage, some reason, some clarity that is needed, or some question that should be answered. There is no obligation to tell everybody what we think about everything. Because in fact, in the matters that we are discussing tonight, in this video, you may change your opinion. Then, if you've imposed your opinion on 200 people through the years, you've got to get back in touch with those people and re-straighten them out.
So speak God's truth, but let's don't be so anxious and militant to speak our opinions. Sometimes the best policy is to shut up, to shut up. Listen again, please, and let's be determined that we're going to stand before God and not try to control one another. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinion. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that (coughs) that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he honors or or gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die... We die to the Lord, so then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Your primary relationship and my primary relationship is to the Lord. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Well, I've had some throat trouble the past week or so, and so sorry about that. Hope you get the essence of Romans 14. I have another class coming up from Romans 14. More clarity about this subject. Thank you for your patience in listening to this video.